0: Yud, Ten Five. This Mishnah will continue to discuss the halachas of prosbol, but actually has three separate uh, topics. The first topic will discuss prosbol per se, and we'll discuss if a prosbol is um, predated or postdated if it's kosher. And then we'll talk about shtarechov in general, loan documents. If one has a loan and one writes a loan as a lender, and he predates or postdates that loan document, well, that, uh, contracts will that contract still be kosher? And then finally, we'll discuss how many um, different prosbols a person must write. That is to say, if there's one lender and five borrowers, or five lenders and one borrower, etc., we'll discuss that in its proper time. So now, let's go to the first part of the Mishnah, prosbol and its dating. To understand the Mishnah, I think it's best just to get an intuitive feel for what it's trying to address here. Let's say one is writing a prosbol on the 10th of the month, but he dates it for the 20th of the month. What would that do? That would effectively say that the new loans that he extends between the 10th and the 20th are going to, according to the contract, anyways, not be forgiven with Shemitah. They won't be released. Whereas, of course, that's a that's a lie, since the contract was written on the 10th. The loans he extends after the 10th really shouldn't should be released um, with Shemitah. With so, therefore, when one post dates. A on the 10th, right, dating at the 20th. So really, he's he's cheating. He's cheating the the borrowers who the Torah is trying to protect. And that being the case, we're going to say when it comes to a Prisbol, to post-date the Prisbol, uh is not acceptable and makes the Prisbol invalid. On the other hand, let's say one predates a Prisbol. So now let's say the guy is standing on the 20th of the month, and he writes a bowl and he, he dates the Prisbol for the 10th of the month. So what's going to happen? The loans that happened between the 10th and the 20th, even though if he would have properly dated the Prisbol, he, the lender, would have been protected. But since he predated it to the 10th, he messed himself up. And those loans he extended between the 10th and the 20th um, will indeed be relinquished with with Shemitah. So the only person who's losing is him. And that being the case, we're not going to have a hakpata. We're not going to care if he wants to mess himself up and predate Prusbol, but we will say a post-dated prosbol is not valid. That's what the mission says inside. ha ha'muktam kasher. If you predate a Prusbol, you date it earlier than the actual date. You're sitting on the 20th and you date the Prusbol for the 10th. Absence, um, the only person who you're messing up is you, because loans that you've been between the 10th and the 20th now, um, will indeed be relinquished come, yeah, the, the deadline in Shemitah year. Um, so therefore it's kasher. The principle is okay and effective. However, va muhar, if you're date uh, you you postdate it, meaning again you're standing on the tenth you know, date it for the twentieth, so now <clears throat> loans you make between the tenth and the twentieth according to the contract, the prisbal will be will be um, you'll be protected on them, um, messing up the borrower, and that's sort of cheating, and therefore puzzle, the Mishnah says such a, a post-dated principle is is puzzle invalid. Okay, that's the first part of the mishnah. The second part of the Mishnah is going to talk going to talk about Shtar starikhov is simply an iou a debt contract so in an iou um, the pasaq will be the exact opposite meaning now we're going to say that if it's mukdam it's Pasal, and if it's a muhar if it's postdated it's it's going to be kosher but let's just again let's think through the the rational why and then we'll worry about the words so this is more involved when it comes to an iou a debt contract that contract actually has two separate functions when i lend you a hundred dollars. According to Torah law, I get a contract that says you owe me a hundred dollars. So <clears throat> that loan contract from you to me serves two separate functions. First of all, it says I can take you to bed and get my hundred dollars back. And second of all, it says that if you don't have a hundred dollars that I want to collect from you, so then now I have an automatic lien on all of your real assets on your property. So <clears throat> in the modern day, when you borrow money, from the bank you could borrow money from the bank and not necessarily give a lien on your on your uh, your home it could be a non-recourse loan for argument's sake but in the Torres setup every loan automatically the one accepts upon himself automatically his real assets are stand as as a surety as collateral against that loan so that'll mean if i lend you money the $100 when i come to collect it from you next year if you don't have the money I can automatically, essentially, you know, take the money out of your real estate. I can force you to sell your house or whatever your your apartment, and and then I'll get paid back like the bank that does with the mortgage. Now, <clears throat> what happens if in the meantime, in the in the since the time that I, between the time when I loaned you a hundred dollars and the time when I claimed it back and you couldn't pay it, what happens if you sold that apartment? So, now a new person has the apartment. Well, just like with the bank. Um, there's like a, kind of like a equivalent of, of a a title search and whoever had the earliest claim on that real estate, he's the one who really gets first dibs on it. That means in the case I gave you before, if I loaned you a hundred dollars and you didn't have the money, when I kind of collect, come to collect from you a year later, if you don't have the money, um, I can go back and collect from your apartment. And if you sold it to somebody else in in the meantime, I can go to that person and say, listen, you didn't have clear, clear title. This This property that you bought was um, already, you know, lean to me. It was already a a collateral for a loan I made. And I can essentially reclaim my debt from the property from the new buyer. Why is that the case? Because my loan preceded his purchase. I loaned the money last year and he only bought the apartment this year. So when he bought the apartment, it already was encumbered. It already had a lien against it the same way as if I have a mortgage on my house. If I sell my house to you, the bank says that's all very nice that you've bought the house, but we have a mortgage, we get we get paid first. We get we get you know first dibs on the money that comes out of the sale. Uh so that's the setup here. So that being the case, <clears throat> the loan document is providing two functions. First of all, proof that the there's an IOU. And second of all, it sets the date for when the, the lien attached itself to the real property, to the to the real estate. And that's very important because we need to know did I extend my loan to you before or after you sold it to that other guy? If my loan came first before the sale, then I can go to the other guy and say, listen, the house is already encumbered by my lien. On the other hand, if first the sale happened and then the loan happened, I can't go to that guy who bought your apartment free and clear and tell him, listen, you know, you defaulted on a, on a debt to me because he'll say, well, what do I care about? This, I bought this, when I bought this apartments, there was no encumbrance. There was no lien on it. So therefore, the dating of a shtarchov is essential to establish who, the proper pecking order, who who has rights and claim rights to um, real property. That being the case, if a person wanted to be a cheater, so he'd be interested, of course, therefore, in changing the date of a loan contract to be as early as possible, because that will give him the ability to have more, potentially more real estate to be, you know, collateralize his loan. That being the case, if you predate a star that's cheating, and therefore we're going to say it's Puzzle. If you post it, on the other hand, who are you messing up? You're only messing up yourself. The lender's messing himself up because now it just means there'll be less property which I can, you know, call on in the event that my loan defaults. So then, the gist of the measure therefore will be that a predated star will be Puzzle, and a postdated star will be kosher and that's what the words say, but I'm gonna, we're not done with this. The words say, when it comes to general loan contracts, IOUs, hamukdamim psulim" if they are predated, they're pasl, and vahamukharim, if they're post-dated, then kasher. That's what we said so far. Now, there's a little more complexity here. When we say pasl and kasher, do we mean that, let's just think it through. The, the, the dating on the contract only does one thing. It allows the it, it solves the question of who has first dibs on the equity in this real estate. What about the fact that the loan was made? If I have a loan to you, and it says you, I lend you a hundred dollars, and I dated it, you know, the wrong date, but it's a legitimate loan. Money traded hands. You signed, I signed. In the case of Jewish stars, actually, the witnesses signed. So the loan really happened. Okay. The problem is the loan just the contract has a technical problem which is it was predated. So that should the question is, should that make the whole document garbage and useless? Or should it just mean that since it's predated it's not valid um in terms of citing the pecking order for who has a claim on equity in the real estate, but, but the fact that the IOU still is effective, um, shouldn't be affected. So that is a machlokus um Roshona. And a has been and the raman and arach. So according to Rashi and the Rambam, <clears throat> Machaber, all that the predated shtar of the predated loan contract um, is puzzle for is puzzle, It's, it's invalid in, with respect to um, using as a tool to collect on other real estate that's you know passed out of the hand of the original borrower. In other words, since the contract it was dated incorrectly, you lender have no right to collect or even attempt to collect from a property that was meanwhile sold to another person. But as far as just the, using the original loan contract, which was misdated, um, to collect on the original $100 that you loaned, that should be fine. That's of the Machabra Paskins. However, the are Paskins like Tosfos who holds, listen, puzzle is puzzle. If the contract is not valid, it's not valid at all. And being that it's an invalid contract, um, the lender can't collect even $100 with this contract. They're just totally in a valid contract, through and through. So it's a mechlokas, mechav, ramah. Fine, that's that. Um, Ashkenazim presumably go like the ramah, of course. Right? And Sephardim like the mechavar. Okay. That brings us to the last part of the Mishnah. Um, this part of the Mishnah also is straightforward and, and it should be kind of intuitive. Let's just think it through first before the words. So how does a Prozboll work? A says that me, the lender, all of my... Loans are being handed over to the bezin for collection, which means if I made a hundred loans. I need exactly one prosbel. On the other hand, um, if a if a borrower borrowed from a hundred people, so then the fact that there's a prosbel that releases him from one particular loan doesn't mean the other ninety-nine aren't aren't released. So that being the case, the Mishnah says now, Echad lova mechamisha. If a person borrows from five separate lenders, <speaking in Spanish> there needs to be a prisbol written for each of the five loans, because it's focused on the lender being able to collect his loan back by handing his loans over to the Bezdin. If there are five lenders, you need five prisbols. On the other hand, loven if five different people borrowed from one lender, then the lender can write a, simply write one prisbol for all five loans and hand that one prisbol over, you know, have handled those five loans effectively to the Bezdin, all at once with a single prisbol.